A bulletin is handed me. Martian cylinders are falling all over the country. One outside of Buffalo, one in Chicago, St. Louis. Seem to be time and space. When Orson Welles broadcast The War of the Worlds in 1938, it created a national panic. Listeners thought they were hearing actual news reports and believed Martians were in fact attacking Earth. It sounds silly today, but in 1938, a belief in intelligent life on Mars wasn't so far-fetched. In fact, people have been reading about possible contact with Martians in the newspapers for decades. I'm Mark Hartzman, and you're listening to Mars Has Women, and other tall people with big ears on Weird Historian. In 1899, Nikola Tesla believed he received three signals from Mars at his Colorado Observatory. Ten years later, professors from Harvard, Amherst, and Johns Hopkins all weighed in on ways to communicate with Martians, while the Red Planet was in opposition, being only a short 35 million miles away from Earth. Ideas ranged from giant reflecting mirrors to the world's highest hot air balloon, where signals could be received without interference. And in the late 1920s, Dr. Hugh Mansfield Robinson, a psychical researcher, claimed to have had psychic communications with a Martian woman named Umaruru. He described her as being six feet tall, with a sweet face and big ears. The men were seven to eight feet tall. On October 27, 1926, the doctor walked into the Central Telegraph office in London and handed them a message to be transmitted to Mars from the Rugby Radio Tower, the largest in the world at the time. But he wanted to know the rate for the 35 million mile journey. Luckily, he got the long distance ship rate of 35 cents per word. That brought his grand total to $1.05, since his message was composed of just three words, Opesti, Nipsha Sucumba. When the station clerk inquired about the language of the message, Dr. Mansfield Robinson replied, No known language. The station received no reply from Mars. Still, Dr. Mansfield Robinson hadn't given up on Umaruru or her fellow Martians. Two years later, the United Press reported that the doctor was taking another shot at reaching his alien friends. And this time, he wasn't alone. A young scientist, Professor A. M. Lowe, was another believer. I have a friend who says he has been to Mars and who tells me that all Martian women have two thumbs on each hand, Lowe told reporters. He also says they have X-ray telescopic eyes and already know all about the Earth. Not to be outdone by Lowe or his mysterious friend, Dr. Mansfield Robinson added that he had a recording of a Martian love song, the national anthem, and the alphabet. 
all gifts from Umaruru, delivered through a medium in a trance, as she, quote, uttered the strangest noises, including wails and groans and hideous laughter. The doctor added that his ethereal body had already traveled to Mars at the speed of light. Quote, I traveled holding the hand of the woman in green, he told the press. They communicated telepathically, and he arranged to send a message within a few days. Sure enough, on October 24th, the United Press reported that Mansfield-Robinson sent two more messages from a radio station at 2.30 a.m. The first read, Love to Mars from Earth. This friendly message was suggested telepathically from Umaruru. The second message was even shorter, God is Love. Once again, station operators received no reply. Dr. Mansfield-Robinson was surely dismayed. Fortunately, he received some good telepathic advice from Umaruru. Go to bed. His wife also had a few things to say on the matter. I don't know anything about this Mars affair. I've refused to have the experiments conducted in this house while I remain in it. I don't know whether anyone encouraged my husband, but there will be no more of that foolishness in this house. The next day, an Associated Press article offered Dr. Mansfield-Robinson's simple explanation for the failed communication. The 18,700-meter radio wavelength was too short. The Martians were very annoyed that the signals could not come to them, the doctor claimed. They were sitting up for hours to receive them. They laugh at our scientists because they themselves have got rid of atmospheric troubles altogether, and yet we have not. As of today, NASA's Mars rovers have yet to spot any irritated, big-eared Martians. How many beings lived on Jupiter in 1830? Go ahead, guess. Use all the scientific reasoning available in the early 19th century and take a stab at an answer. Stumped? Thomas Dick wasn't. The Scottish minister and amateur astronomer meticulously calculated the number of Jovians based on available data. This was just one part of his 1830 book, Celestial Scenery, or The Wonders of the Planetary System Displayed, in which he took a census of the entire universe, including the sun. Dick knew that Jupiter was 89,000 miles in diameter. Its surface, he wrote, was 24,884,000,000 square miles. So, to calculate the number of inhabitants, all he had to do was determine a constant population rate per square mile. That constant, used throughout his book, was based on the average number of people per square mile in 1830 Great Britain, which was 280. With a little simple multiplication, you arrive at 6,967,520,000,000. That, Dick claimed, was, quote, 
nearly 50 times the number of human beings that have ever existed on the Earth since its creation. The misguided astronomer was in awe of the possibilities. He said, If such a population actually exists, as we have little reason to doubt, it may hold a rank under the divine government equal to several thousands of worlds such as ours. Such an immense globe, replenished with such a number of intellectual beings, revolving with such amazing rapidity around its axis, moving forward in its annual course 30,000 miles every hour, and carrying along with it four moons larger than ours to adorn its firmament, presents to the imagination an idea at once wonderful and sublime, and displays a sense of wisdom and omnipotence worthy of the infinite perfections of its creator. As for his grand total in the universe, Dick proclaimed its population was 22 trillion. Though significantly off, perhaps distant universes will someday prove his number a little more accurate. Thanks for listening. Weird Historian is brought to you by me, Mark Hartsman. The theme song was created by Steffi Copeland. The voice of Mrs. Mansfield Robinson was played by Layla Hartsman, and the 1938 War of the Worlds clip at the beginning of the podcast was downloaded from Wikimedia Commons. For more strange stories, check out my site, weirdhistorian.com, and follow at Weird Historian on Instagram. Look for my upcoming book, The Big Book of Mars, due out this July 7th from Quirk Books. In the meantime, have a weird day.